Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bloody Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight, and joining me as ever is the statesman to my kingsman, John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. What is up, Matt? Yeah, not bad, my man, not bad. I've, uh, ba- uh, as I mentioned in the last show, back to full health now, so I've literally been cramming in movies every day for the last few weeks, and the reviews have been popping out. Saw It Chapter 2 tonight, and I'm interested to see what you think and what the listeners think, because it's getting uh, divisive reactions around the world. So I'm mm. interested to hear what my uh, favourite source of movies thinks. But that's me. How about you? Uh, you know, I've been watching some uh, Howl Miyazaki films. Um, I watched... Uh, oh, I'm going to forget. Oh, Kiki's Delivery Service and mm-hmm. um, Porco Rosso uh, this week. And, uh, man, i got to say, I was already a Studio Ghibli fan just from Spirited Away and um, My Neighbor Totoro. But the more I watch, the more I am enjoying. Um, I'm following along with a podcast that I really like called Blank Check. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't, can't recommend it enough. I find it to be um, one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. I've actually gone back and listened to most of their back episodes. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of sad because I'm almost done. Like I'm almost caught up where I will have to wait <laughs> a week every week. And I literally work out to their podcast. Uh, it's my instead of music, I, I prefer the podcast part. Which that's what the guy, real guys do now, yeah. It creates guys some awkward girls. situations because sometimes I laugh and people are just looking at me like, "Why is he laughing?" But, What's going on? Yeah. Um, but I, I really enjoy it, and it's been uh, I've I've pushed myself to watch some movies um, that I've been meaning to watch and just hadn't got to, so I can listen to episodes of the podcast. Um, and I haven't been able to go to the theater much this week, which thanks because I have this unlimited pass, like burning a hole in my phone. And I really want to use it like every day, but I've just been super busy since school started back. We had a hurricane come through that didn't come through, so very blessed with that. But um, we talked about that briefly on the mini episode, of course. But nonetheless, uh, this is the episode for August uh, 2019. This is, this is indeed, yeah. Like John just mentioned, we've got mini sodes which are dropping. Little kind of out, uh, 45 to 90 minutes, depends how much we go on for. Shows where we talk about the latest trailers and movie news. So what we don't talk about on this the main show, we can press and put it onto our little show called the Minisode. And that's out on the feed now. We'll give all the details later on. But this is the August show. It may be September, but as you know, the bloody awesome movie co- podcast talks about the month just gone. If you're new to the show, John and myself, we talk about uh, what we deem to be the four big releases of the previous month. We give um, fairly in-depth reviews, fully spoiler-free. We're going to say that right now. Fully spoiler-free reviews of the top four films of the last month. And we also run down, uh, a little more briefly, the other things we saw, whether it was theatrical or streaming. So, enough from me. Let's chuck over Transatlantic to the stateside. What's the first film we're talking about? We are talking about the newest entry in an eight-movie, now nine-movie franchise, although this is technically a spin-off. Fast and the Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. I think it's Fast and Furious, 
present Hobbs yes. and Shaw even more. Um, and uh, it is directed by David Leach, um, stars Dwayne Johnson, Jason uh, Statham, Idris Elba, and Helen Mirren. Um, oh, and Vanessa Kirby. Sorry, Vanessa, I missed you there for a second. Uh, currently, 67% on Rotten Tomatoes, 60 on Metacritic. And uh, this is one of those movies that for a long time I would have scoffed at. Um, I had not seen any of the Fast and Furious movies after Tokyo Drift until the week of this movie's release. I binged that entire franchise in order to watch this movie. And at least it was fun. That's what I'll say. <laughs> it, I cannot sit here and say it's a good movie. If you like The Rock, if you like Jason Statham, it is going to do it for you because you're going to get a lot of them. Um, if you're a fan of Idris Elba, I think he has fun with the role, and I enjoy I enjoy him. I feel like he keeps getting like crappy movies. Um, I'd love to see him given like a really solid franchise to be the lead of, and not yeah. the Dark Tower garbage. Oh. Um, but this movie was mostly fun. I do think it drags real hard right before the final act. Um, it just like it it hits a wall, and then the final act is insanely over the top like it is almost too over the top um the whole movie's big and does things that make no sense especially when you think of some of the other fast and furious movies and that's saying something because there's some crazy stuff that happens <laughs> in those movies but um this one goes real big and real silly um it's still though mostly enjoyable i had fun with it i don't think it's a great movie um it's definitely not the best of the of the franchise by any means and it really deviates hard from the franchise it is very heavily focused on like a cop team up type movie more so than it is a racing movie um which i know they've kind of deviated from that since the first film anyways but it it really deviates in this one <laughs> um there's a little bit about cars but ultimately they're they're second fiddle uh to the the stars not it's stars not cars in hobbs and shaw um and i forget david leach did uh deadpool atomic blonde deadpool atomic 2 blonde. okay um and i like those movies uh quite a bit i actually like atomic blonde a a, a lot might be strong but i enjoyed it very much i thought there were some really good action sequences and that's kind of the same here i think the action sequences are are entertaining maybe a bit again too big at times um but there's some funny stuff i definitely laughed a lot and i, and I can't i like statham a lot like i find him like his dry kind of like cold demeanor is is compelling to me um i liked it in transporter i i like it in um there's a couple of movies of his that I like a lot. He's probably the best part of The Expendables, even though that's not saying much. Saying much. <laughs> yeah. But nonetheless, uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Um, and I, I will say, too, since I did watch the rest of the franchise, I am a bigger fan of Fast and the Furious than I ever thought I would be. Um, I still think it is mostly silly, but there's some goodness to it. And I do like the characters a lo- uh, more than I, again, would have expected um, having watched it. And I will say, though, uh, that Brian and or um, I'm gonna forget his name. My brain is blanking today. Uh, Paul Walker is uh, yes. is missed in the Fate of the Furious like severely, and that makes me nervous for the nine and ten that are supposed to be in production um, because it, he is very noticeably gone in eight, and uh, it hurts the movie. I think a lot. Well, Hobson Shaw. Is a film version of the bloody awesome movie podcast. <laughs> Two big brash burly guys just, you know, go but we don't go at each other, we go with each other. Yes. Uh I can't really argue with much of what you said there, to be honest. It's 
it's just sweaty fun, basically, is what I'm going to call Hobbs and Shaw. It's, it's, it's in, it, uh, how do I put it without sounding like that guy? It's 2019, and it's a, you know, it's a sweaty, masculine, testosterone-fueled film. It's a man's film, it will be called. And it is. It's not the most, uh, it's probably one of the more aggressive films I've seen for a while. But it, 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 it delivers on what you always thought it was going to do. There's big, there's guns, fist fights, there's rock music, there's car chases, there's very decent action for the most part. It's just an entertaining summer popcorn movie. Doesn't mean it's brilliant, but it's it, it, to me it delivers on the basics. And I'm not a fan of the Fast and Furious franchise. And is it really a Fast and Furious movie without family? Because this doesn't talk much about family to me. <laughs> it but, does not. Um, I, for someone who's not a massive fan of the franchise, I will say quite happily, I had a good time with this film. It is, like you mentioned, uh, Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham together are extremely watchable, I think. They're mm. both, they've both got the kind of movie star persona, which is fighting against each other. And then you've got Idris Elba, who's now the sexiest man in the world, officially. Throw him in, and you know, and it's a, you've got a pretty tough-looking cast. Vanessa Kirby, sadly, gets short shrift. She's not really utilised very well, or and yeah. how and her role in the film is just a bit. Uh, you get a couple of fun cameos, which you may or may not have seen, but uh, keep an eye out for them. But you, <laughs> you're not going to miss them. But it's, it's this is one of those cases where we say films don't have to be clever or big or deep or massive character studies all the time. Sometimes you just want to have, you know, just people battering each other and in these life or death situations to somehow manage to come out the other end unscathed it is a bit like a throwback to those old films i've mentioned previously before that dwayne johnson and probably even jason statham other than the expendables because they are still the action heroes of old i mean maybe even jason statham and the rock are the only kind of true action heroes left i mean i action yeah. stars i'm struggling to think of any so to have them both in the same film you know is to the uh is to the positive of the film but i i had a good time with this film it is not the best film in the world but it never ever intended to be and i'm just fine with that uh but you mentioned the other nine and ten this franchise is a machine yes. similar to transformers but probably better when it comes to making money i mean billion dollar franchise breaking records some of the most uh holding box office records some of the most viewed trailers of all time it this uh, hobson shaw for the first spin-off has made 690 million dollars uh 200 million dollar budget yeah. I'd probably consider that as a pretty damn good return, but considering the franchise's returns, uh, if you're a studio head, are you saying that's a good return? I, I think they're slightly disappointed with Hobbs and Shaw. Um, I think it does show uh, that you need the whole family to bring people in, right? Which was the, the big debate, because uh, the one thing about this movie existing was the turmoil with Vin Diesel and The Rock. Like Whether that was real or staged, it seems to have been real. Um, and then Tyrese was involved too. It's all social Tyrese media. Tyrese has to go, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, I think it this it kind of bites him in the butt. But Rocks, with the exception of Jumanji, his movies by himself don't do that well. Like, no. realistically, I mean, Skyscraper wasn't good. Um, not just not good, but it didn't do well. Uh, Rampage was the same. It's not like people are flooding out to see The Rock by himself. And I think this might prove it, right? Because the Fast and Furious branding has been. I mean, what number like seven is in the top ten movies of all time? I think all time, yeah. And and this movie's nowhere near that. It it did well, mind you. It's not like it it's lost money. I don't think, but um, and I think it's doing better overseas, which is the norm for the, this franchise. 
Uh, but yeah, it is. Uh, it, I I'd say it's maybe a sign that spinoffs don't work all the like m- spinoffs don't work often, right? I mean, Solo didn't do very well either. No, I mean, no, there's no, other reasons it's, for that. It's, but well, yeah, like it's it depends if you can get the the balance just right because the spinoff needs to be somewhat different from the main saga mm-hmm. story, but it also has to feel connected in some way. So how do you get the balance right without making it just another um, extension of the, uh, another franchise movie? So, but I mean, uh, to be honest, other than Jumanji, the many, most of the rocks vehicles don't often do nope. that well. I mean, Baywatch. Hercules, oh yeah. Baywatch was a disaster. I mean, stuff like that. I mean, I mean, I didn't, I had quite, a, I had fun with that film, but Simba in the sense that, I knew it was a bad film, but I enjoyed parts of it anyway. I mean, and then and then there are films which he appears in, like Fighting with My Family, which mm-hmm. may not have blown the box office up, but was but is but was acclaimed. He got a lot of yeah. good stuff, but a lot of the films he's in don't always do that well. Apart aside from the Fast and Furious, and of course, Jumanji. I know he's got um, Jungle Cruise. I think it's called coming out yeah. uh, next year with uh, Emily Blunt. So see how that goes. But I don't know without the Fast and Furious. And I like Dwayne Johnson. I think I like, I enjoy watching him yeah. in films. He's got there's something about him. But I mean, I've been a, a fan point. since he was The Rock. You know, back in yeah, WWE. yeah, same here. Yeah, the attitude days. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I yeah, Hobson Shaw's okay. What I did like as someone who isn't a massive fan of the franchise, because uh, I know you binged the films. Yeah. I would say if you haven't binged the films, I think the movie though it isn't written all that well because some of the jokes are great, but when they're not, they're really not very good. Yeah. And obviously the dialogue isn't isn't brilliant. But I think it explains the past or the events of the past quite well so you, yeah when it comes to characters coming back it you get enough exposition as to where they've been and what's happened between characters to make them feel certain ways i think it's actually um tied in quite well in terms of if you're new to the franchise i think you'd probably get enough out of it i actually think in some ways it's better to not watch the the rest of the franchise for this mm-hmm. because statham's character um shaw Right, that's Shaw. Yeah, yeah, um, sure, yeah. You kind of hate from what he does when his int- his introduction to the Fast yeah. and Furious universe. It's hard to like overlook that and just accept him, especially because he starts to be a good guy in eight. Kind but, of, kind of, but he does something really important in eight that and has like I think one of the funniest and most ambitious kind of action set pieces where he's fighting while holding a baby carrier. Um, yeah it's it's pretty zany in in eight so uh he's i feel like that makes him kind of a good guy there but um this movie definitely wants you to buy him as a hero and i don't know that you can do that if you've seen the franchise movies um where it's easy if you haven't like i think they sell him as a much more sympathetic character in hobbs and shaw than what you will likely have if you care about the family in the fast and furious movies which i was surprised how much i did care and how much i was upset when that happened while watching those movies i i found myself um surprised at uh a few things i i teared up at one point um in the the fast and furious franchise watches so again they shocked me i was not expecting to be a fan i ended up liking them more than i i had anticipated um so yeah no i teared up a few times as well when I realised I was only on episode three and I've still got like seven more to go, I thought, oh, no, yeah, yeah. no more of Dominic Toretto's sad family. Because I said, it's eventually he's just going to be, he's just going to transform into a car. 
eventually it's getting to that point now. There was rumors of a crossover. Remember, like, we make jokes, but there was almost Men in Black and uh, 21 Jump Street. 21 Jump Street, yeah. Which supposedly, there's, now they say that was never going to happen, but there was on the freaking books that it was happening. And there was talk of, like, a Fast and Furious Transformers or a G.I. Joe Transformers movie. So we got to be careful what we say because it could come true. But to be honest, though, if I'm a studio head, and I know, you know, a plus a plus doesn't always mean big bucks, but Fast and Furious is a money-making machine. The Transformers films, the Michael Bay ones, used to just print cash. Put the two together, you know, it almost seems like a no-brainer, but it doesn't always work like that. It's uh, yeah. It would be a no-brainer for me not to see it because I couldn't handle that much. But um, uh, we try we try not to talk about tra- the Transformers too much on this show, so uh, like that Beatles. one's on John. It's like Beetlejuice. We don't want to say it three times. Who knows? Um, Absolutely I just, not. I just said that name twice. We got to be careful. Um, that Keaton I, character. I think we're good with this movie. Let's move to the next. Yeah, let's move to the next one. And the uh, the next one is a film which I was actually quite anticipating from the first trailer I saw. And that's Scary Story to Tell in the Dark, directed by Andre Ovidal, who directed Troll Hunters and the very good Autopsy of Jane Doe a few years back. And it stars, amongst others, Zoe Coletti, Michael Garza, Gabriel Rush, Austin, Austin Azure, Gil Bellows, Natalie Ganson. It's currently uh, certified fresh, 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it holds up. Uh, Decent 61% positive on Metacritic as well. Um, I think this could be the most misleading title of the year, though, because I was expecting an anthology film because it's based uh, on a 1980s anthology book yep. for, you know, like a, like a, it was like an R rated Goosebumps or a PG 12, 13 Goosebumps. But um, it's not. It's obviously just a standard structured film. And um, I kind of wish it was an anthology now because. Yeah. Stereo Stories is just fine. I found it to be a film that just went from set piece to set piece. And in between, there was quite a lot of padding. It doesn't really, really achieve much because the characters aren't all that interesting. I thought the characters were fairly stock. The set pieces mind were good. I like that. I think Overdell has shown in his previous films that he knows how to create tension. Autopsy of Jane Doe carried this palpable tension throughout with minimal scope there was nothing really going on but there was but there was this overhanging sense of dread and for the most part here there is a fairly decent nervous atmosphere when the set when these horror set pieces if you will kick into life when you get from the mundane mundanity in between it one that once the horror starts there he really does start to turn the screw and i think he does it well he makes the most out of the locations the the creature designs are good too many jump scares for my liking and it's the writing is a bit uh, the writing isn't that good again i've mentioned that for two films in a row now but it's something i've noticed uh, and they resort to the old newspaper research montage in in the middle of it and i just thought yeah 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 as a journalist uh, i approve those montages (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess for the all all the hard work for you i guess it's it's pay but pay off to see it on screen but i don't know there's a the first half is definitely stronger than the second half when they're unraveling the mystery of the film the first half is much better. It feels like a real throwback. The second half, I didn't really like it that much. You get this weird subplot with Ronald Reagan as well, which doesn't work and doesn't really go anywhere, uh, I don't think. And also, it's Ronald Reagan. Richard but, Nixon. Um, uh, sorry, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan. He's in another film. Richard <laughs> Nixon. Uh, but I, it, this, to me, you got Halloween approach north of fall, or autumn for my UK colleagues over here. Scary stories are something you can put on over over the Halloween period. 
and you're going to have a good time with it. You're not going to get scared. It's not going to knock your socks off. But there's, an, I think there's enough here to to keep you entertained. But I think that it could have been an awful lot better if they'd used an anthology um, format. Because firstly, I like anthology films when they're done right. I think it's Guillermo del Toro who's producing this film, which again was something which was fairly heavy in the marketing. I've said it before on other shows. When the producer gets top billing, that worries me somewhat. But del Toro came out and said they didn't want to do an anthology film because you're only as good as the, you know, you're only as good as the worst film in the anthology. If you've got, you could have a really good uh, film or two, but if you've got one that really clangs, you're only as good as that one. So fair, I can understand that, but you know, I would have liked it. That's me being selfish, yeah. but it's made good money in the box office. 87 million off a $25 million budget. I I was hoping for more, but uh, what about you? Were you, uh, were you scared by these stories in the dark? Um, I was not scared, but I, I didn't, um, I liked it more than I disliked it. I, my biggest complaint though, okay, is yeah. exactly what you're uh, proposing is that the, the story they craft in order to put all the short stories together is the weakest part of this whole movie. And when that you think of it, it's like, well, maybe you should have just done an anthology then, because if his logic holds true, then the weakest part of his film is the whole film, because it, it's not as strong as it could have been if you had these individual stories. Plus, you could have got different directors. Maybe Del Toro could have done one of them. Um, <laughs> and I do like the creature design, and I, would, I do want to give credit to the teen actors in this. Um, I think Zoe Margaret Coletti... Oh, um, Coletti's good, yeah. Yeah, very good. Michael Garza's really good. Gabriel Rush is fine. He's not in it very long. I think he's in it less than most of the other kids. And Austin Zajur, I think that's how you say it, um, yeah, I yeah. think is he he needed to be the best, and I think he's probably the weakest. Um, he's not bad. I, I thought Natalie think, Ganshorn, as uh, I think Ruthie, her name was, I, don't think, I yeah. think she was very strong whatsoever. Uh, valid, but she, she does feel like such a, a throw-in character, too, even though mm-hmm. she has an important part. Um, if it were an anthology, that could have been a bigger actress, I think, too. And yeah, yeah. Um, again, I think your your argument is super strong. And the the worst part is the the Richard Nixon stuff because there's all this. I guess it's supposed to be commentary about Vietnam and stuff, but it yeah. doesn't ever turn into anything. It's just hinted at. It's alluded to. It's ever present, but I don't feel like it pays off in any way that makes sense, and it just becomes uh, filler content throughout the film. And if anything, it takes away from the scary stories. Um, I do think when the scary stories are happening and we get to see the creature design, I think that stuff works really, really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I enjoyed all of that. And it's not too long um, where, you know, it's it's under two hours. It could have maybe been 10 minutes shorter, uh, especially if you trim out some of the Vietnam Richard Nixon commentary mm-hmm. stuff. Um, there is also, there's some like, they, they add conflict in places that I don't think you needed to have conflict because... Uh, Michael Garza's character is Ramon Morales. Mm-hmm. There's that whole like su- like racism subplot that kind of feels out of place. Um, you know, they set this movie in the 70s partly because you take out the cell phone equation, and that always is important with horror films because yep. cell phones wreck horror movies pretty hard, or they <laughs> they come up with con- you know really horrible contrivances to get rid of the cell phones, like oh our signal's dead and things like that. So my batteries are one percent. Yeah, we're seeing a trend with horror to go for period piece, basically, as a way of getting rid of the cell phones. Uh, yeah. Not uncommon in today's world, and I'm fine with that. But um, the racism element, again, it's it's that subplot that just doesn't really go anywhere, and it feels like you're just shoehorning it in for the sake of shoehorning it in. Mm-hmm. 
if if you can give commentary because i think some of the best horror films that have been made give great social commentary my favorite being night of the living dead and dawn of the dead yeah. uh, romero's yes, commentary yes, yes. is so strong and it and yet the horror adds to it it's not a subplot it's not a secondary thing that's taking away from the horror element it's all in it it's all part of it and that's not what's happening here it, it feels unless again Maybe I'm dumb and I'm just not interpreting it the way he's no, no. intending. But yeah, I, I've yet to find anyone that can explain to me what I'm missing. Um, and again, especially when you think the target audience is going to be two things here. Young people, because this book is written for a young audience, and people our age who are nostalgic for the book. I am not. I did not read the book. I have no nostalgia. But uh, Corey from my other podcast, um, she loved the book. And David, my editor for BerkReviews.com, big fan of the book we saw it together david and i and he was like oh man they they nailed this they nailed this and he was the things that he remembered really made this movie stick for him um for me i was like well it's still it's cool but all this other stuff is driving me nuts so that, that's kind of you my don't take on. if you don't know richard well obviously i think most people know richard nixon the name at least but if you don't know yeah. if you don't know what the subplot's about at all you're just gonna think they keep cutting to this old guy on tv mm-hmm because, and like he's mentioned there, quite pertinently, the target audience is a younger demographic, and not all of those are going to know or care who Richard Nixon are, especially if you're not American. I do, yeah. because I, I keep up the date of history. But there will be lots of people who won't get the significance of what Ovidal and Del, Del Toro, because he wrote the film, helped write the film as well, were going for there, because it, they only kind of ever skimmed the surface. And horror films have always done quite well with getting that kind of um, allegory, not necessarily political, but an allegory or message through their got a main kind of visceral story. Of course, The Exorcist is the best of all, of course. And thank yeah. you to Corey for tagging me in everything Exorcist-related on Twitter. Thank you very <laughs> much. But um, yeah, I I think that was an issue because they could have they could like you mentioned they could have just taken that out, stripped that away. The film doesn't suffer. It doesn't be it wouldn't be any better necessarily, but it certainly wouldn't be it wouldn't miss it. Um, but I mean, uh, I love the season. I love the full season and, you know, lead up to Halloween and I'm all nostalgic for that. The leaves falling, the pumpkins everywhere, all of that stuff. So visually I had a blast with the film cause it took me back to those kind of that time, which is actually fast approaching. Uh, but it's, I don't know, it's just a really good premise, but I think they could have done a lot more with it. And I like the idea of having an you know, Dahl direct one little story, Del Toro, direct another story mm-hmm. get one or two more directors on there of um varying backgrounds and whatever different takes and different ideas and see what they can bring to it but it's interesting to see that uh, your buddy david actually watched it and and took so much out of it because of what he'd already know from the book i wonder if we'd read the book would we have seen it with different eyes or if it is just a okay film yeah i you know i wish i did have nostalgia for it um it's because again like People that like the book seem to be at least happy with the, the creature design. It doesn't mean they're happy yeah. with the framing because, again, all of the, the way this story is presented is uh, fabricated to put short stories into a feature-length film and not do an anthology. And I do think I, – I agree. There's plenty of horror anthologies where there's, like, one really good one and the rest are – yeah. even if, like, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, um, which I love the collection, yeah. but I definitely have, like, two that I uh, – absolutely adore i think is like the epitome of cohen filmmaking and then the rest that are, are there then there's a you tom waits one yeah well i see i like that one i don't love it's not in my top two um and honestly the top two are like i love the first one the the titular one and then yeah. i would 
argue either the second or the very last one. But I also like the Liam Neeson. I really like all of them. I have to admit, I am a big Coen's guy though. Like the yeah, Coen's just speak film. to me. Um, I've shown the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, just the the first one, to uh, <laughs> yeah. multiple of my classes because I just think it's so amazing. Um, but yeah, um, that's kind of it for this one too. Like we don't usually rush through these, but I don't feel like we are. It's just there's not there's not a lot like to get into. You know, we've um, had two films so far which aren't which aren't you know filled with much substance to really dig onto they're just they just yeah. happen to be films that are pretty good and this one's supposed to be like we said the first one's an action movie and it's just trying to be an action movie it's not trying to be anything yeah. more this one's a horror movie that isn't quite a horror movie it does throw back to like a goosebumps vibe or even like i, I used to watch are you afraid of the dark on nickelodeon when i was a kid yeah, yeah. and i i love tales from the crypt again all anthology kind of based stories and i think that would have been better even if this was a tv series than this movie not again i don't blame the kids um i don't like the uh the father angle um and even like you know what i mean uh who's the father it's the he's in stuff uh um, dean norris dean norris who is you know i think he's cursed now because of the book of henry unfortunately but um so is colin javaro yeah but uh well he deserves to be cursed after that movie but um <laughs> Like the whole story with that too is it doesn't it doesn't feel organic at all. It feels very like we need drama, and it's like no, you don't. It's a horror movie. We just need to not want the kids to die, and um, that's it. You know. And I will say though, I was impressed with the stakes of this movie. I did think the stakes felt much more real for a kid-centered horror film than a lot of other ones. Because like most of the time with Goosebumps, I'm never thinking the kids in trouble. I'm just like yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> I I buy that the kids are actually in trouble in this movie. Yes, that was yeah. impressive. And the film does a good job of actually making you think that as well. Yes. So, um, that's a good point. And I didn't want, you know, Zoe Coletti, I thought she, I didn't want her to die. I thought she, and that's not a spoiler, but that's me saying when I was watching, I was rooting for her. Yeah. I liked her. I think she, I thought she was by far the best of the, of the young actors, probably all of the actors in the film, but she's by far the best of the young actors. But yes, yes, a good point actually that the film does do a good job of making you. Because whereas I don't think the characters themselves are all that interesting. No, that's what I was about to say. The film does a good job of making you actually realise that. Well, hold on, maybe maybe everybody's up for the chop here. In spite of the bad storytelling about the character, I still <laughs> wanted the character to, like that's. So again, I think that might be a credit to the actress um, being likable enough and charming because she has this like timidness about her that you kind of can you know empathize with and you're rooting for her to like no you can come out of your shell um but then the the subplot about like her being bullied doesn't really make sense is like what why would they bully her for that like that's stupid um a lot of a lot of that stuff feels just dumb and um but there there's some cool stuff that happens in the movie i think some of the set pieces are really cool so it's not bad again it just could have been something a little more i think it's just okay yep just okay um, well, I know the next film, I know you've been, you were looking forward uh, to this an awful lot, I remember. I was, and I think I, I think that hurt me um, in the end. Let me say <laughs> right away, Blinded by the Light, I, I did really, really, really like, but I didn't love it like I wanted to. I wanted it to be my favorite movie of the year, um, and it's not. It's not that it's not a great movie, it's not that it's not really good, um, it just it didn't speak to me like I was expecting it to, and I'll get into that a little more. Uh, without getting the spoilers, but um, it is directed by, uh, oh man, I should have worked on this one, um, Garinda Shada? Yes. All right, I'm going to butcher all these names. Yeah. Uh, Vivek uh, Kalra, Colvinder Year, 
Mira Ganat. Oh man, I almost said that one. Ganatara, Ganat, Ganatra, Ganatra, Ganatra. Nell Williams, um, A. A. Ron Fagora, uh, Dean Charles Chapman. I know it's Aaron, but I ever since the Key and Peel sketch where the substitute teacher mispronounces all the students' names, uh, anytime <laughs> I read that name, it's A. A. Ron. Uh, my poor <laughs> student who probably listens to this podcast, I have called A. A. Ron for three years now, <laughs> and will always do so. Um, Hello to that guy. Yes. Uh, he is he's one of my loyals um so i would not be surprised if he's hearing this uh blinded by the light has an 88 uh certified fresh score on rotten tomato and a 71 on metacritic which kind of is how i feel about the movie i think it is unbelievably charming i love some of the stuff that shadra does uh shot shot oh man shadra there's no r in her name though so it's not there's no raw uh shada shadha yes yes um so uh because i watched bend it uh bend it like beckham i think with i think this year um and i loved it i was so impressed with that movie and this is uh the second film of hers that i've seen and i still think she's great i think she created what i can only call a musical or a real like a reality musical where you have scenes that very much play out like a musical but often it's in reality and i think that Mm -hmm. is fantastic i think it's really cool it's innovative um and I, I am inspired by the story, um, but not as much as I had thought I would be. Uh, I, I really thought this would be more like how music changed him. And like, the, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I, again, I really do think I hurt this movie's opinion by going in with my expectations that it would be my favorite film of the year. Um, it is one of the best films I've seen of the year, but it's not in my top 10, I don't think. Um, honestly, I'm not 100%. It might be because this year has been not as good as I'd hoped uh, overall. And I haven't seen as many um, indie films. I still have some big ones on my checklist to see before the end of the year. But um, And we are getting into Oscar season. so. But uh, I really thought this would be that um, that movie that just clicked with me in every way. Uh, similar to, um, you know, like Sing Street and... Uh, I would even say La La Land did for me where I just really, it spoke to me. And generally movies that give you the idea that art, um, like is the way to your, your happiness, like that mm-hmm. you can find what you're looking for through music or through movies or through, uh, drawing anything like that usually just works with me so, so well. And he's a writer too. He wants to be a writer, which is something that I totally relate to. Um, so there's so many things that I just went in expecting to do it. Now I will say going in, I was not a Bruce Springsteen fan. This movie did make me really appreciate him on a level that I never thought I would. Um, I've still not really gone and listened to any of his music outside of watching this movie. Um, but if you haven't seen the trailer or, uh, know the plot synopsis, it says in England in 1987, a teenager from an uh, Asian family learns to live his life, understand his family and find his own voice through the music of American rock star Bruce Springsteen. Um, I'll say a, a few things, too. One, I knew it was 87. I was surprised to find out that Bruce Springsteen was considered, like, not cool by 87. <laughs> um, I learned a lot about the fa- the neo-fascist in, in uh, England at the time that I knew, like, very little about and was kind of surprised um, how it kind of mirrors what's been happening in our United States the last couple of years. Um I really enjoyed the cast. I thought um, uh, Vivek Kalra, who plays uh, Javed, I thought he was great. Um, 
Colvender Gear is in a. I think he's also in. He's also the father in Bennett, like Beckham. And he's great there yeah. too. Exactly. Uh, he's he's so good here. Uh, man, the, the, there's a scene, and this is not a spoiler, technically, but there's a scene where he has a breakdown, and that was the only part of the movie that really got to me like emotionally, where I was really like, wow, you know, like seeing that and seeing him play out. Um, I think she does a really good job of humanizing her characters. I I feel like you can empathize with everybody, even the ones who are um, a lot of times because this the movie they they put characters that might feel antagonistic at first, and then they're not, um, and they, or they'll surprise you with how like deep they are and how much more uh, thoughtful they are. Um, I also want to give a shout out. I am a big fan of the uh, the Trip trilogy, the you know uh, with Steve yeah, Coogan yeah. and Rob Wright. Yeah. And when I realized it was Rob Bryden, I lost yeah. it. I was dying. <laughs> yeah, you'll, 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 you'll notice him if you look hard enough. It's quite yes. a giveaway when he, when he turns up, though. Yeah, the the mullet, man. The mullet threw me so hard. <laughs> um, but I, yeah. I had to look at him and double take. Yeah, well, I'm like, I'm watching it, and I'd seen him in the trailer, and I'm like, God, this guy seems so familiar. And I'm like, I pulled up yes. IMDb, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I did exactly the same, because I recognized a voice. Obviously, it's slightly different. It's, yes. not, it's not his usual Welsh timber. But, uh, yeah, I had to go on IMDb as well to confirm. And, um, you know, I, I, I appreciate the friendship stories that happened in this film. Um, I, I don't know. I, I liked so much of it. And yet, I just... I, I kind of want to watch it a second and third time. Because I, I might be wrong. This might be a movie that I totally 100% love. I... I I feel like I've made it sound like I didn't like it almost at the beginning. All I'm saying is that it's so good, but it wasn't what I had made my head think it would be for me personally. I thought it would be something like monumentous and life altering. Uh, and that's unfair to go into a movie with that on your mind. So realistically, I I doom this movie to not be that level because God, what an unfair advantage uh, or a disadvantage I gave that movie. But um, thinking back on it, I, I definitely have nothing but fond memories. I can't think of I it might be a little long. Um, and it is it's very bloated with characters. I, I think she could have focused the story in on a couple of characters, maybe trimmed off a little bit here and there. Um, but there are some really powerful scenes and there's some things that don't quite pay off as well as you expect them to. Um, but ultimately, I, I definitely enjoy it. I think it, it's a movie that more people should see. Because uh, again, I I don't think there's anything that could be argued as like wrong with this movie um, in a in a majorly detrimental way. But of course, I could be wrong. Matt, what did you think of Blinded by the Light? You know what? I thought uh, I watched this film very recently, and I I I don't mind a bit of the boss. I, you know, I'm I I I I appreciate the boss. Um, but I came out of this film, and like you said, just thinking up. Oh, Maybe I should check out more of Springsteen's music because maybe maybe it will talk to me, the person within me, a bit more. But there's a real, real joyfulness and exuberance that comes out of this film, mm-hmm. which kind of carries itself throughout the whole thing. And there are certain moments where I couldn't help but just smile my head off. One of them, one of them was a scene which Rob Brydon was in, uh, yeah, and I was I love like, that "This scene. is." Uh, and you mentioned the musical side; it was one of those. And I was like, "This is this is incredible." It's just so good. You do get mawkishness and all that kind of t- towards the end. It does get a bit saturine at the end uh, as we go towards the end of the film. But um, and also I guess as well, if you want negatives, 
depending on how invested you are in the film, the obsession with Bruce might grate on you somewhat. Some of the pacing's a bit odd, and yeah. the fact that Javid only actually finds happiness when he goes to you know the bright lights of the United States was a bit odd. But seeing mm. where he'd come from in uh, Luton, and I've been to Luton, <laughs> but it's certainly not as bad as it's portrayed in the film, not quite anyway. But yeah, this was the this was the rough, dark days of the 1980s. This was Thatcher's Britain. This was the Tories at their most vile. Racism was rife. Unemployment was everywhere. Kids had their school milk taken away because Margaret Thatcher was just that kind of woman. But um, or prime minister, should I say? But uh, yeah, it was bad times. And the film does a really good job of capturing the mood of the country because there was riots everywhere. They had the red wedge, um, or well, red wedge campaign of Labour going on. They had the C and D of the nuclear disarmament riots and um, campaigns going on and protests. It was wasn't a nice place to be. And obviously, an income tax was just introduced as well, which made it even worse. So you go to work, the government's going to take X amount of your money off from you. Not a good time. So this film actually picked up on that kind of like depression and hopelessness really well and counteracted that with Javid's desire, necessity to want to be more, to want to escape, uh, to want to be do something better for himself. Those two worked really well together. There were certain subtexts which could, again, like the last film, we spoke about could have been explored slightly deeper to yeah. maximize some impact. Uh, yesterday came out recently. We spoke about in the last show. It's, it's, it's probably the most uh, comparably the most similar film of the year. I think this film's better, and I think it goes further with its subject, Agreed. subplots, and its story. But uh, but back onto this story, I thought it was I. I'm with you in the terms of the concluding thoughts. However, I didn't take into this the idea that I wanted to be the best film of the year. Mm. I just thought it could be a fun, bouncy sort of faux biopic because it's not it's not about Bruce Springsteen. It's nope. just inspired by Bruce Springsteen. But but it is I, the guy's a Javed's character is uh, wrote a book about this experience and how yeah, it's based on a true story. Yeah, the yeah. guy who Javed is based on. Excuse my ignorance. I haven't got the name in front of me. He nope. uh, he was from um, Faisalabad in Pakistan. Came to Luton, so it's that's all you know. That's all authentic. And apparently, and has seen he, Bruce Springsteen a whole bunch of times. Uh, he's a uh, hundred odd times, and he's met the boss as well. So, it's based on a true story. So, when you when you're watching it, you know, obviously, it's probably fictionalized to some extent. But sure. what you're seeing is what happens, and that's I got I got a real good happy feeling out of this film. I really did. I liked um, Aaron Fagora's character of Roops. I think he's got he brings some nice levity to the film. And I, every time I see the name. I can't think of Double A Ron now because there was a killer's song <laughs> where he sings about Double A Ron and it really ah. grates me when every time I hear it because it's like one of their earliest songs and it's not really very good. Uh, but it, the way he says Double A Ron just to make it rhyme and fit the melody and the rhyming couplet, it really winds me up. Um, but I like the killers. But um, the, the ki- I think the, the cast are uniformly very good. Javed, yeah. uh, uh, Vivek Kara wins He's fantastic. This is his first real big outing as well. Yeah, and he's so likable. He is. He really is. He portrays so many different emotions so authentically. Corvinda Gear is great. I don't know if you guys have seen a film called East is East, but this film reminds me a little bit of that, mainly because of the cultural clashes you get and the way they're handled with gravitas and also that kind of um, the humour as well, because the humour in this film for the most part, it's really good. There's a, re- there's a recurring gag regarding Jews, which I found hilarious every time it came on. But I, I came out of this really happy. 
it's it has actually snuck yeah. into literally the final part of my top 20 it's number 20 of the year for me so far so it's hit that top 20 whether it stays there or not who knows because there's still some uh, big films to come out but i just love the fact that you could have this blue collar american hero resonate with a disillusioned pakistani team living in you know the depressed luton of the 80s and how Shard Chadra has made that work because this is her best work since Bend It Like Beckham. I give yeah. it a thumbs up. I really enjoyed this film uh, and I would happily watch it again. It's a good old coming of age comedy yeah. drama. It's and it's it's very wholesome and uh, it is very optimistic, which is something I think we need yes. in general right now. So uh, if, if nothing else, those are good reasons to check it out. I was happy it stayed for a few weeks at my local theater, which I didn't think because uh, I saw it the first weekend it was at our theater and it was in the smallest theater already. And I was like, crap, it's not going to make it more than mm. a week. And it was there for like three weeks. So I was happy with that. I, I did see it alone, like 100% alone. No one else was in the theater when I saw it. Uh, and that broke my heart a little bit because I, I do think. Oh, well, on that side. Yeah. I, yeah I mean, nice in that way. But I'm like, I want people to see this movie. Um, because, again, it is it's it's a story that you don't always get to hear because it's not like, you know, rich white guys you know telling the story it's about an ethnic group that maybe you aren't familiar with in a part of england that maybe you're not familiar with and it's a story a kind of though when i guess when you look at it it's about bruce springsteen inspiring him and that's a rich white guy so you know at least he's known for being a workers guy right you know that's he's a blue collar resonates with the working class yes so there you go um and there's some really funny stuff in it and again i think stylistically there's some really cool scenes in this movie i i love Basically, every musical number that is in the film, I think, is amazing. Um, one's, one's a little silly and feels like Grease, in a way, but the others yeah. are just stupendous. And, uh, again, the one with Rob Brydon is so great. I, I absolutely love that scene. Um, you, you mentioned the box office. It's only, and this sucks, unfortunately, it's only made, well, it's touching $15 million worldwide, and the budget for this was $15 million. And oh, I'd probably say eight, 90% of that came from the U.S., Four million dollars came worldwide, which yeah, you get a film like this, which again, this is never going to be a eight hundred million or five hundred no. million dollar blockbuster. But these are the kind of films where, like you mentioned, they're so optimistic that you just want to tell people come and see this film, check it out, because like you say, there's so many different things to um to to discover. Whether it's locations and Luton isn't quite as bad as it's portrayed in the film, though it isn't. It isn't a tourist destination. The 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 cultures, the music, you know, the the inspiration behind it. Rob Brydon's mullet. There's so much to see, but it hasn't done well at all. And interestingly enough, um, this is coming from um, I can't. I think it's Comscore. 54% of the audience was over 35 years old, and 63% were Caucasian. So lots yeah. of lots of older people were going lots to watch this because it fans. resonates with them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that was interesting. But if you haven't seen this film, Chuck a few more extra dollars at it if it's still showing at your local theater. Yeah. And if um, not, if let's not, give stream it, a, it. Yeah, let's let's give it a good life in streaming. Um, again, and if you haven't seen Bennett like Beckham, watch that movie. It's it's brilliant. I do not like soccer. Think that movie's brilliant. Like let's until it's a now movie about soccer. Yes, until right now, just this second, I have become a football fanatic. Um, but uh, go go Manchester. Is that yours? Uh, Southampton will do for me. Okay, Southampton. There you go. That's my team. I will get <laughs> a jersey um, as long as it's under ten dollars. But uh, yeah. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I do highly recommend check out Blinded by the Light. I 
Um, I know it's uh, Big Tuna, who we, we've talked about before. He's a, a friend of the podcast. Um, big fan of this movie. I think it's one of his all-time favorite films. I think it's in his wow. top 50. So uh, if it speaks to you, it's going to really, really click. And again, I wanted it to real bad, and it just didn't quite hit the, the button for me. But it's still really, really good. Um, I think of the four movies we're talking about, I think it is by hands down the best movie on this list. It Well... I think it's probably one of the best movies of the month, but who knows? Because we've still got a few more to go. Are you ready to go on to the next one? I am. Next one is a film we may we may have different opinions on. I think we do. It's Good Boys, directed by Gene Sputnitsky, uh, with a young <coughs> cast starring Jacob Tremblay, Keith L. Williams, Brady Noon. Then we get Molly Gordon, Lil Rel Harry, Will Fort, and Midori Francis. It currently holds a certified fresh rating of 79%. And Metacritic, just below positive on 60. Interesting, all four of our films are currently fresh or certified fresh. Uh, Good yeah. Boys, it's been called the super bad with kids by pretty much everyone, including me. Um, and Booksmart was also called that super bad with girls. But super so bad, but Booksmart was incredible. Yes. Well, I just could have never shout out. It was John, again, who really twisted my head because Booksmart was a film I was going to watch, but John told me how good it was. I immediately went out and watched it. It's number three of the year for me so far. Yep. Go and watch that. But I digress. This time, though, um, our our young three young leads are sixth grade, boy, sixth, sixth grade boys who have been invited to a kissing party, but they don't know how to kiss because they're only youngsters, and that's not what they're about. They're about going on bike rides together in video games. So And playing um, a card game that started off as a mobile game that's a real game, and I was surprised that yeah. they had the licensing for that. They got it in there, yeah. So um, the kids, though, the kids, you've got um, Lucas, who's played by Williams, uh, Thor, yes, the kid's called Thor, Brady Noon, and Max by Jacob Tremblay. They're called the Beanbag Boys for reasons that they, well, they sit on beanbags. Yep. And they're, they are basically depicted as these kind of dorky, righteous and brash kids they all have their own uh, individual uh, behaviors yeah, and they fit the yeah they fit the super bold super bad mold fairly nicely and the, the humor revolves around their potty mouth and the idea that they have no comprehension what these what their parents toys are really for or their gadgets and apparatus problem is for me they, they that gag lost its novelty because they kept using the same joke throughout. Every sort of 10, 15, every 15, 20 minutes, there'd be a, that's another sex toy come out and the kids would use it for something else hilarious. And then they'd do it again and they'd do it again. And I just thought, Ugh. and the, the foul mouth kid things doesn't always work for me, not because I don't like it, because sometimes it can be bloody hilarious, but it can lose its luster quite quickly for me. And the problem I found with the, the film is that the three leads... Two of them as good as they were. Brady Noon I had issues with because I found him fairly annoying. But he was, at the same time, also quite good with the right archetype he played. But the three leads, for me, couldn't quite pull off that kind of Rogan-esque mm. humour to me. They just they don't have it within them to, to pull it off as well as, you know, the super bad kids would, if you will, or even the book smart kids. There was something lacking there. I thought they had good chemistry together, though. I thought they worked well. Um I thought there was a strange tone. I think we're trying to, they're meant to kind of make us bond with the kids to start with, but then that was dropped for like the high drinks. And at the end, they kind of brought it back again. And I thought, well, you know, there's no, there was, it's the kind of booking and book ending it with this emotional need. There were some good messages throughout about friendship and 
even how growing apart isn't a bad thing whatsoever. And let's not, and let's not, I'm not going to lie. There were some great moments in this. There's, there's a scene involving paintball in this, which I thought was, incre- oh, it was, so, it was so really, good. really good. And I didn't dislike the film. I didn't think all of the jokes were bad. Well, you gave it a fresh think, rating. I did. I didn't think all of the sex gag, sex toy gags were bad. I just thought by the, by towards the end, I thought it just seemed like some, uh, some of them were going to hang the hook on. And I thought it did just lost its, when a joke becomes unfunny and it keeps being repeated for me anyway, this is just for me, then it starts to starts to grate on me. Molly Gordon, Midori Francis have not they don't really have much to do, but they're good throughout, I think. Yeah. And, you know, there's 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 not much going on, but there are some good moments. It's not the worst comedy of the year, I'll give it that. And I've said countless times on the BAMP that I'm so waiting for a comedy to come and knock my socks off and I'm still waiting. Book Smart is probably that probably that so far. It's the best comedy I've seen in a long time. Um, but, yeah, it, it's all right. I, I enjoyed this film. I I went into this film, not not too dissimilar to you with Blinded, Blinded by the Light, but I've gone, I actually mentioned on the last BAMP that this show, this film could be the, the saviour of comedy this year based on what I'd heard and the hype I'd heard online and from YouTubers I watch or podcasts I listen to. I said, actually, this was really funny. This is actually really, really good. I went in with that race expectations, and I guess I just came out a bit bummed that I didn't hit that. Um, but it's good. I, I I enjoyed it for the most part, but I think you enjoyed it more. I think just a little bit more, though. Um, I, I also didn't – like, I don't think this is the best comedy of, of the year. I, I do think I, Booksmart owns that. Um, I I kind of think I might have laughed at Stuber more, <laughs> like – overall wow. but i love kamel we've been over this like kamel yeah, just yeah, yeah. has like a direct line to my funny bone um here's the thing i uh i'm, I'm a jacob tremblay supporter yeah um i think he might need a better agent because if you saw predator? the predator yeah a predator sorry um that was real bad but um and he was in book of henry book of henry yeah <laughs> uh Brady Noon, I kind of agree, um, but I think it fits the character, so I'm okay with him being That's a little annoying. I think Lucas is my favorite character, but I also think that Keith L. Williams is the weakest performance. And here's what I like. I'm going to make a stronger argument in a second, because I saw him first in his film Sadie at mm-hmm. South by Southwest, and that's a movie I've been advocating for since I saw it. He's good there, but he's also weak there. He's clearly a first-time child actor. Um, and I think there are times in this movie where he nails the jokes and he's by far the most empathetic of the three boys uh, made. So manipulative. So with the, the, his parents story, but nonetheless, yes. he's very likable. He's very charming. Yet there are times where he clearly doesn't know how to deliver the joke he's been given to, to deliver. And he'll like, he'll rush through a line and like he'll trip over a punchline and you can blame the director for not having him do it again. But you can also think maybe he did do it again, and maybe this is the best they could get. Um, and this, he's young, so I'm I'm willing to, like, he's got a future. I think he has talent, but he needs work. He definitely, like, Tremblay is masterful with his performance. Like, he doesn't, it, it does feel like a performance, I think, at times. Um, especially because I don't know that, like, it, it is sometimes hard for a, like, Chloe Grace Moretz and Kick-Ass sells being a vulgar 12 year old you know when she curses there is conviction there it doesn't feel like a kid who's been asked to say it you know what i mean um that here it feels very much like 
like, oh, we're in a movie that has these things, and we're going to say these uh, dirty things. We're going to have this the sex jokes. But there are some sequences that absolutely crack me up in this movie. Uh, <laughs> there is a cameo um, from Stephen Merchant yeah. that is really funny, although if you were already upset with those that line of jokes because they are kind of shoved into the ground um it may not may not work because at that point you're just done with it but i found that funny and also like there's a it comes back later and i thought that was even funnier um i did laugh a lot i i don't think and i i want to say one of the things this movie does so right is its runtime exactly 90 minutes it's in and out it is not trying to prolong its welcome it knows it's going to be raunchy it's going to uh have some very you know twisted and dark jokes made and man it just works when it's when it's there and i um i overall liked it again i don't think it's the funniest movie of the year it's not in my top 10 or 15 um but i i do think it's very entertaining and uh if this type of humor works for you then it's gonna it's gonna work it's there's some really good jokes there's some really good set pieces um on the other hand if you don't like vulgar raunchy comedies don't watch this because this one goes some of the jokes are real raunchy like especially a lot of the sex toy jokes it's just like what um but i do like i i like that they were able to pull off the uh, friendship stuff and it feel natural um despite the uh you know the movie itself being a little crazy and over the top i thought that stuff felt very real and, and uh it worked yeah um it there was a lot to admire here but i think your point nails it when you say it didn't quite feel natural and i think it you someone like Jake, jacob tremblay just look at him he looks like a angelic you know right a nice little guy mm-hmm. i can't believe he would you know go around to his buddy's house and start dropping f bombs yeah. left right and center he doesn't seem the brady noon character i mean he's sold that way Though he, there are you know there are other uh, facets to his character, but you know I, I could potentially buy that a little bit more. But even then, I still think would they be doing it that much? And I love me some vulgar comedy. I'm all for the vulgarity, whether it's from a eight year old or an eighty eight year old. Bring it on, as long as it's good. I, I I will take any kind of comedy. But Good Boys was just I wouldn't say disappointing because I didn't go in with expectations to be yeah. blown away. I just had expectations that it might finally crack the code. I mean, this year I can think of Booksmart, uh, Fighting with My Family, because you can call that comedy. I love um, it. Stan and Ollie, but that was a drama, a dramatic comedy. Oh, so good. Um, Instant so Family, good. I really enjoyed Instant Family more than I thought I would, and mm-hmm. even with Mark Wahlberg in it. So that's Instant Family of... for me was last year, but I I that's really right, liked yeah. that movie. I found that to be super funny. A lot of the side characters, like Tig Notaro in that movie, is so freaking funny. Um, her and Octavia Spencer like work at the adoption agency in that film. Yeah, so great. <laughs> yeah. And I can't really think of that many more comedies that have really like straight up comedies. I mean, Stan and Ollie, I'm putting in in as a push, and that was incredibly good. But I can't think of many actual straight up comedies that Mm-mm. stand out to me at all this year. And Good Boys has ended up being just a bit. I'm probably not going to rush back to watch it again. It's the best yeah. thing I can say about it. But again, like like John said, if you like that kind of kind of uh, I, I call it Seth Rogen esque comedy. Yeah, you're gonna get probably gonna get a kick out of this for some parts because, like I said, whilst I wasn't hot on it, there are some parts which were executed well and were actually really very funny. It just wasn't as consistent as I was kind of hoping for. But yeah, so for me, it wasn't what it could be. 
But yeah. like I said, we've got four films that were certified fresh. So out of the top four, would you would you would you would you say they were all thumbs up films? Um, yeah, I would say the closest to not being thumbs up would probably be Scary Stories. Um, and that's still a thumbs up. I don't think it's not, but I think it's it's not as enjoyable throughout. Um, because again, I think Hobbs and Shaw. There's at least ten minutes that could be cut from that movie, and it would be better. Uh, Good Boys is nice and and trim. And it's mostly entertaining. I didn't find anything particularly wrong with it. Blinded by the Light is fantastic. So Scary Stories, again, I, I think it's got the weakest uh, elements. Because Good Boys, its plot is very, it's so contrived. And it's like, talk about a MacGuffin. But um, <laughs> but it, it's it's there to serve the, the comedy more than anything. And I think it's fine. Um, it definitely feels more like uh super bad in that way they're like the guys have to get l- the liquor so they can get to the party and here they have to learn how to kiss so then this happens and this happens and it's you know it's will forte's character kind of frames the the story in a kind of lame way as jacob tremblay's dad it doesn't really mm-hmm. make sense although he is very funny um at the same time but uh yeah you know it's they're all they're all i don't think any of them are bad at, i don't think um i think only blinded by the light is great yeah, I think this may be the first month out of the year and a good few months we've been doing this. This may be the first month we've had four films which are pretty much universally liked. Not yeah. acclaimed, but liked. And August so releases at that. That's an even better point, yeah. So Scary Stories, I'd probably say, yeah, is... I don't actually... I, what did I prefer more? I don't know if I prefer Scary Stories or Good Boys more. That's a tough one. But what we like to do after the main section is talk about the other films we saw the films which may be just maybe better than the, the the four we deemed to be the biggest, but ones that we thought we'd we'd we we talk about we'd run through them a bit quicker, shall we say? Yeah. So it could be the best of the rest or the worst of the rest. So we've got about uh, we've got about seven six six films on there, and some I've seen, some John's seen, some we've seen together. So the first film uh, we both saw, in fact, was The Kitchen. I put this on my intriguing list for this year, but how did you find this one? I think it's one of the biggest messes of a film I've seen all year. Um, it it just feels sloppy, and like so many things are just real bad. And I'm I'm not familiar with the source material. It is a Vertigo comic, um, but man, so much of it. That. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's on there, but it's real. It's small. Like they didn't want people associating it with the DCEU apparently because DC Comics owns Vertigo. Um, I I don't know anything about the source material, but man, it felt so clunky and so sloppy um i I thought mccarthy does a pretty good job uh elizabeth moss right that's yep yeah she's she's had a year man she's done a lot of stuff you know she's in us um on the handmaid's tale which is the big thing for her uh she's in alatross perry's new film her smell which i haven't seen but i really want to (laughs) um and then this movie and i was really thinking she was gonna be great um she's she is good the movie uh, not so much um i was I was so frustrated with this. I've kind of blocked a lot of it out at this point, but I remember like through the film, I was like, Oh my God, this movie is such a mess. Like it, it is just slop all over the place. What about you? Not too dissimilar. It's a crime film, which doesn't really have much crime in it, no. which is a pretty in itself is a crime. I, I liked Elis- Melissa McCarthy and Elizabeth Moss. Moss. Sorry. Um, I also like Donald Gleason's character. Cause he's kind of yeah. playing kind of against type. And I, I thought he was, He's just to kind good. of 
he's he's always Daniel Gleeson's an excellent actor, but he was just the right amount of kind of like maniacally um, bubbling yeah. around the surface. I thought he was very good. The um, I don't know, yeah, it's messy. It didn't really ever seem to go anywhere. And I it, like Tiffany Haddish. Um, there's this, there's her storyline though is the worst. It is so bad. Yes. Like, uh I almost want to spoil it just because it's so bad. Like, but I won't. But go and see the kitchen, guys, if you must. But I didn't realize it was based on a Vertigo comic. So in terms of a movie, this could have been a great original sort of movie yeah. where they haven't taken another IP and just twisted it. But it just felt really flat. A lot of story is told via montage, which I don't always like. Yeah. Where you kind of see something's happening, like dun dun dun, bang a bang. A lot of bang, it you don't even story. see. Yeah, like so much of it you that's don't see. True, yeah, like I say it's all about crime, but it's not much about crime. They focus on the characters, which isn't a bad thing, but they're not expanded all that well. Like I say, Tiffany Haddish's character, she's completely different from what you see in uh, coming like Ghost Trip, but the arc she takes just ugh. But um. The dialogue's naff. Go and see Widows instead. R- really, go and see Widows because yes. it's a similar premise. In fact, it's an extremely similar premise where, I mean, the premise of the kitchen is these, these are mob wives, basically, and their husbands are sent down for three years. And uh, as it turns out, they end up taking over the business. Very similar to Widows, except obviously they're not taking over the business. They're just getting them, getting stuff done, basically, getting money. Uh, so it's a very similar premise, but Widows was... It's chalk and cheese, basically. Yeah, not not good, unfortunately. No. Um, so yeah, the next film we saw was Ready or Not. What did you think about that one as well? I love Ready or Not, dude. I am I'm a big fan of horror comedy. I don't know if the, the I, I it's not listed as a horror comedy, but I don't know how it can not be. There is so much like Adam Polly alone gives so much humor in his performance, but um, Samira 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 Williams Samira weaving is, weaving freaking fantastic in this movie, even though. I gotta say it. She's like she is so close to looking like Margot Robbie. It's uncanny. Yeah. Um, but I I really enjoyed this movie. It's not perfect, but it's super enjoyable. I would like for me, it's like four out of five, and uh, I had a blast watching it. Um, it's it's crazy. It's definitely gory. It was actually gorier than I expected. Uh, but man, there are some parts that had me just rolling at its darkness and how like crazy it goes and um so the performances are really big i would say annie mcdowell is the oddest oddest like casting in this film but i don't dislike her performance it is it's i'm very aware that it's annie mcdowell though like when i'm watching her but you know i'm a big groundhog day guy so maybe that's why but um i i had a blast with this film i thought it was really really fun and uh i wouldn't say scary but i do jump at a couple of things in the movie but yeah, I I thought this was wicked. I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought this was going to be not all that really. I thought this was going to be kind of throwaway and forgettable. But no, it's it delivers on pretty much most fronts. Like you, I also cat stated this isn't a perfect film. It's not making the illusions there, but it gets the basics right again. The story gets going straight away. The exposition is dealt with, and then we get basically into what we've all come for from the trailers: just death. Basically, blood, death, gore, ridiculous killings, but ones that work as well. The jokes are consistently good. The cast is good. Samara Weaving, who was so good in The Babysitter, a McGee film on Netflix, but um, she was so good in that. She's great here. She's so watchable. She's so committed to her role, and she's mental as well. She's um, becoming like a 
mad scream queen. I, I'm so looking forward to seeing what she does next. But yeah, Brody, Shirley McDowell, O'Brien, the rest of the guys, they're really strong in support. And it was a this film really surprised me because I didn't think it was going to. It's not groundbreaking anyway, but it, it it is what it needs to be. It succeeds to what it needs to be. It's entertaining. It's bloody, and it is at times quite a tense horror thriller dark comedy and it is at times because it is it doesn't ever lose sight of the fact that it's still you know a horror thriller type film yeah. those elements are still there but the comedy the, the black comedy is black enough to be to work just well here and yeah i mean if tomorrow evening it's like margot robbie doesn't have a half point on there but i liked it the, the kills were good and inventive it wasn't like home alone where samara weaving's characters placing traps all over the places <laughs> it 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 worked for me. And this is what I've mentioned on the show before. This is what I call a Saturday night film. Get your mates around, get some beer or non-alcoholic bibs, if that's kind of thing. Maybe some donuts as well for me. And you can have a good time watching this with your friends, I think. This is that kind of yeah. film. This, and I would happily watch it again. I was about to say, this is such a rewatchable film too. This is yeah. one that I could see where like every Halloween or even maybe picking like um, like every time you, one of your friend gets married, this is the bachelor party, like movie, <laughs> yeah. cause it's, it's darkly funny and it's, it's man, uh, show it's it to got, your rich friends. It's got one of my favorite, like final scenes, like final like shots in, in a horror movie in a while where I love how it ends. Like, it's just, yep. That, that's a perfect ending to this movie. So yeah. Um, yeah, really, really, uh, surprising, uh, solid horror entry, um, in August, you know, like this easily could have been an October release. It might've even done better. I don't know how it's doing in the box office, to be honest, but it, it may have done more in October when people are looking for a horror film. But, man, I had, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was great. I wonder if it would have done better in um, in in October. But then again, October isn't always renowned for big True. money. It's done quite well so far. $34 million bucks off a $6 million budget oh, so yeah. far, and it's still yet to open in certain territories. But I think it's going to go on to do quite well. And problem is, though, Sequel trips to get sequelitis. Will they think this film's going to basically do 10 times its budget? Let's do another one. Yeah, uh, probably. I wouldn't like to see another one because what do you do from now here? Because you know, yeah, they the film really is what it is. They don't have. I can see, I don't want, I think anything I could say now would be a spoiler for the story, but I could yeah, see yeah, them doing a prequel, maybe like that would be well, the I could only see them way doing an out. offshoot of the family or something like that, maybe. But, or like it, it could because it could just become another purge type thing for me where yeah. it just gets bigger and bigger and more absurd and yeah and we, we don't need we don't need that. However, I'm more than happy to watch Samara weaving in Mo things from what I've seen her in. She commits herself so well and understands the role that she plays and delivers what she needs to. So I think I'm excited to see what she does next. But yeah, man, ready or not, check it out because it's a really good fun and it's it's crashed into the top 20 for me i think it's like number 13 of the year for me so far i enjoyed it that much wow nice mm-hmm. uh so going on for the next one was a uh, one i saw probably unfortunately as well it was 47 meters down Ooh. uncaged a film with a pointless subtitle um 47 meters down i think that's what it was called i didn't mind. I thought it was actually quite entertaining for what it was. A oh. fairly throwaway film. I didn't mind it. Again, it's one of those. It's a film where when I watched it, I thought this is okay. Since then, I haven't thought about it or wanted to rewatch it until this film came out. So I went back to re re read my review and realised I think I gave it like six out of ten and said it's not bad. It's fine. This film is. 
I don't know why they tried to link it to a 47 metres down film or why they would try to make a franchise out of it because it has nothing to do with that first film, funny enough. It's just, it's not, it, it could have given us what Crawl gave us, a nasty, tight, claustrophobic horror film set in a nightmarish location, this time under the sea. I've said so many times before, the ocean scares the bejesus out of me. I hate the ocean. I like looking at it and I don't mind sailing over it or flying over it, but I'm not going in it. But I didn't get scared by this film. I, the characters, it's four, it's four attractive young girls, basically, in their bikinis, being chased by a shark. You know, it sounds a bit like Sharknado or Piranha type thing. It's the characters I couldn't get invested in. The plight just seemed contrived. I was rooting for the sharks for the most point. Uh, it's it's just a pointless addition to a an unnecessary, you know, franchise if that's what they're going for. Yeah. They could have just called it Shark Attack or something like that. And I would never have thought this reminds me of that forty seven meters down or whatever it's called. I think it was it was called forty seven meters down, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, they, cool, they were yeah. in a cage though in the first one, Matt. And this and one, they're, they're not uncaged, in this one, but so it's just a trivial to even link it to that film. But um, if you like shark, if you like the first one, check it out. If you like films about being chased by sharks underwater, then check this out. If not, go and watch the Meg because you'll have more fun. Yeah, or you know, watch Jaws, where it's an excellent, well, amazing to Jaws, yeah. or um, even, even Deep the Blue Shallows. Sea, this, well, this film nicks a Deep Blue Sea moment, so. Whatever. But the Shallows was... I didn't mind the Shallows as well. Nope. I thought Shallows was solid. Um, yeah. I hated 47 Meters Down, and that's why I've not seen the sequel. Um, I wouldn't. I, also, <laughs> I wouldn't. I hate the ending of 47 Meters Down, which I won't spoil, but again, I, I thought it was a yeah, like, yeah, yeah. big cop-out. So, all right. Um, I'll see your bad movie and uh, raise you one. I saw Fred Durst directed new film with John Travolta, The Fanatic, um, it is trash in almost every way, and I'm going to point it out by saying there is a scene where Devin Sawa is driving his son in the car, and a Limp Biscuit song comes on, and that if that's not bad enough for Great. a director to put his song in it, Devin Sawa goes, "Hey, Limp Biscuit, all right, these guys used to rock." That is an actual line. I might be quoting exact because I was so shocked that it existed. Um, I'm like Jesus. Yeah, like how Durst, how low have you sunk that you thought it was okay to do that? Like, oh man. Now, what's worse is uh the lead character played by Travolta appears to be autistic or at least on the spectrum and um I'm not going to quote Tropic Thunder, but if you've seen it, there's a warning about acting and going into a character too much. And Travolta goes 100% in and it is messed up. Uh, this movie is problematic to say the least. In some ways, it is very competently structured. Um, like it tells a story, and the story logically goes in progression. Its actions are not logical, but with what you see on film, you're like, "Well, I get why this is happening now." But otherwise, horrible movie. Skip it. Don't bother. It is. Uh, we talked about this on our mini so because it is the lowest grossing Travolta film at the box office ever. Uh, I think $3,000 or something like that. It's something, it's, something ridiculous yeah. like that. I mean, it's a limited release, but nonetheless, um, it's it's trash. And it might be time for Travolta to, uh, you know, retire. Uh, just let it go. Because, man, this, is, this isn't this is even a good DVD movie. Like, man, brutal. Um, that's all I have to say about The Fanatic. Skip it. Don't see it. Uh, avoid it. Even if you're a Durst fan, like I was, this was the final straw. And I've, put, I've put up with a lot of crap from Durst. This is too much. 
So would you say you weren't a fanatic coming out? Oh, I would say that uh, wholeheartedly, not a fanatic. <laughs> and everybody out there, I apologize for that joke. Um, uh, next one I saw was one I'm surprised John didn't rush out to see straight away. Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Yes, I sat through that. And I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course, because um, I have a young daughter who probably love it in a couple of years' time. And the target audience is obviously younger fans of the show, up to kind of uh, pre-teens, I think. But um, the movie itself tries hard, very hard to be accessible to everybody. It's in, but it keep in keeping with its, you know, goofy tone. It never tries once tries to be gritty. It never tries to drop any f bombs or anything like that. But what it does have is it has a very good lead uh, role from Isabella Mona. She's a very decent up and coming young actress. She was also She's in very Instant good. Family and, and very good. Sicario Day of the Soldado. Yes, she is Day of the Soldado. And um, uh, they got uh, Michael Pena and Eva Longoria play the parents, and they're surprisingly good together. And I and um, I enjoyed them. If the tone of the film is very much PG, very much PG. It, it, it harkens back to Tomb Raider, Indiana Jones and Jumanji. No, I'm not going mad. I just mean that there are elements of it, kind of the exploration and adventure um, and kind of comedy. But obviously, again, remember the target audience is the same for, but it never leaves that PG boundary. It never, ever strays out of that. So you don't get any kind of Nazis like you do of India or anything like that in this. It's The structure is pretty formulaic, as you'd imagine. It's just set piece after set piece after set piece. Um uh, but the, you know, youngsters are going to enjoy that because it's it's fairly easy. It's fairly easy to watch. There's a lot of the animated series in this. It opens up with the with the actual theme song, and there is an animated scene in this which doesn't it doesn't feel out of place. What I liked about this film is that it's just a, it's a refreshing film which just wants to put across a good message, and it's everything is done in good spirits. Also, the message of being yourself, regardless of what anybody says, is proper Dora the Explorer. But I, I didn't mind this film. Do you know what I mean? I, I it was okay. Yeah. It was good, clean fun. It's formulaic, but it's not for me. It's for the kids. I'm sure they will love yeah. it. I'm, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not tapped into the Dora the Explorer fandom. I don't I, know if they have cliques and uh, I divisions. Once saw Diego live with my young daughter at the time. Um, which is a stage performance of Diego and Dora. Uh, How did she find it? Oh, she enjoyed it at the time. Okay. Um, so I, I, this movie's a few years too late for my 15-year-old who was like, no, no, we're not going to go see that. And I'm like, I would say that, yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't going to go see it by myself. Um, and <laughs> although you braved <laughs> out. I'm trying to say. Uh, yeah. nothing, nothing. But um, I I, what I've seen of Isabel Monaire, I also think she's going to be a tremendous actress. Uh, she is super talented in this and family and in, even though I don't think Dave the Soldado is very good, I think she's good in it. Um, I, I will watch this probably at some point. The the trailer kind of made me not want to watch it. There's a whole like fart bit with quicksand that was just like that. That bit actually sucks. Yeah, that really it, isn't a good bit in the film. Yeah, it it felt like wow, guys, this is where you're gonna like we're gonna hang our hooks on this joke. Um, so much so that it's in the trailer. Like I was just I was kind of done from that. I will say that the humor isn't consistent with that joke. Good. It That's is good. again. I've got to keep saying it. It's. I'm sorry, guys, but it is aimed at a younger audience, so True. it is juvenile humour. But it isn't all just fart gags and stuff like that. It. But I. I wasn't disappointed in this. I thought it was, you know, a bit, a go. bit, a slice of good fun, and it was refreshing to see a film which just wanted to put across a good message and and have fun with itself. So, so. if you've got youngsters who are yeah younger than fifteen, check it. Mm -hmm. Check this one out. 
So I saw Where'd You Go, Bernadette, the uh, new Richard Linklater film. Mm-hmm. And I've had, um, I have a weird like connection with Linklater. I, I don't like all of his movies. I haven't seen some of his big ones. I have not seen the Before Trilogy, which I own all three and I'm going to watch. I just haven't watched. I really want to watch them with my wife. And that's not always something that can happen. And that's why I've yet to watch them yet. But I am, <laughs> I think I might just cave and watch them alone. Um, I'm a big fan of School of Rock. I like Slacker. Um, I love Days and Confused. I'm less. I'm very kind of cool on uh, Everybody Wants Some. Um, loved Boyhood so much. Still haven't seen Flag of Our Father or whatever, something like that. Last Flag Flying. Last Flag Flying with uh, that's Corel quite good. Ones. Um, and I, I mean, I'm gonna watch it. But um, I, I had been hyped about this movie for over a year because it was supposed to come out last year, and I was really, really pumped about it because the cast is really strong. Kate Blanchett, Emma Nelson, who's new, Billy Crudup, Kristen Wiig, Judy Greer. Lawrence Fishburne, um, here's the thing. The trailer sells this movie 100% wrong. It sells it like it's a mystery. Like, the whole premise of the film is going to be the name of the film. Where did she go? That is not what this film is about. I was surprised at how much this film connected with me, and I loved this movie. Um, I don't think that's going to be true for most people. Uh, but for me, Kate Blanchett is phenomenal in this film. And what she's going through just hit me at the right time and i i totally was in on this um there's some zany things that happen it's it's got the link later kind of weird stuff goes on in his movies that you don't have a normal explanation for sometimes and you just accept that that's the link later touch um this is based on a book i've not read the book although my theater because i saw this i did get a free ebook of the book so i'm going to probably read this book uh partly again because i was so into this movie and um, I think Blanchett is phenomenal, as she usually is. Uh, I am a Billy Crudup fan. Um, I know his his acting is debated by some, but I, I tend to really like him, and I think he's fine here. I don't think he's necessarily um, doing anything. I don't think he's asked to do a whole lot. Uh, but the new young actress who plays the daughter, Emma Nelson, is also really strong. I thought she does a really good performance. And I think Linklater's got a, a knack for casting kids. Um, School of Rock being great proof of that, by the way, because... I always forget Linklater direct School of Rock. Uh, well, for a long time I forgot. Now I can't forget because I'm still baffled by it because it does not feel like one of his movies, um, mostly. But man, uh, I I really appreciate Linklater's uh, experimental style. You know, he's got this new musical he's working on. It's going to take 20 years to film. Um, I don't know if you heard about that, but uh, I haven't. No. Yeah, it's a, his new follow-up experiment after the 12 years of Boyhood. Um, I can't remember what the musical is. It is like a like famous musical but it has a uh, beanie feldstein from booksmart okay, is going to be cool. in it so she's committing apparently to 20 years um of filming a movie uh so yeah it, we'll see how that comes out in 20 years but um i i enjoyed this i recommend it again i don't think it's going to speak to everybody the same but for me it just hit at the right time so I've been interested in this because this film has been pushed back and pushed back Several and pushed times. back. It's meant to be released last year, 2018, mm-hmm. I think. And it was in, I think it was beginning of this year. And then it's been pushed back two or three times since. I think yep. it opens in the UK sometime this year. That's all I know. Sometime this year within the next three months. I don't know when, but I have, I have seen posters for it up. I saw them today when I was at the theater as well. So, but I don't know when it's coming out. So um, I'll, I'll check it out when it comes over. And the last movie we're going to talk about today is a documentary I watched on, as a screener, but David Crosby, Remember My Name. Um, 
I don't. I didn't remember his name. I didn't know who. Uh, it's it's kind of funny how it worked out. The week I was sent the screener, I had to uh, edit a video for my job for this little presentation thing, and I was told to use a song from Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Um, teach our teach our youth. I I don't even remember the song. That's how like I was so unfamiliar with the song. I've heard it before, but it wasn't a song I'd ever like listened to. I never listened to the artist, and so I'm like, okay, I guess these are famous people. And then I had this documentary follow my lap. I'm like, well, that's interesting. What weird timing that this occurs. <laughs> it's getting a weird deja vu. Uh, I, this documentary is really, really compelling. Um, it is uh, focused on David Crosby, and it is so unbelievably candid and open um, because he is not depicted as a great guy uh, at all, and yet he is a centerpiece of this documentary. He's interviewed. He's a part of it. Um, and... I think you um I think it it's so intimate and so uh earnest that it is one of the more memorable docs I've seen about a musician um and the the candidness to the film is impressive. Uh directed by AJ Eaton. Um I don't know how easy it will be for others to see this, but if you have uh I had again zero affiliation to the the musician or the band uh, Crosby Stills Nash and Young or his earlier band which I think was the Eagles. Not the Eagles. No, that's wrong. I'm so, not sure about that. He was something in the 50s or 60s. Uh, around the same time the Beatles were coming up, his other band was doing things. I don't remember their name right now. But irrelevant. I was not a fan. I clearly still don't remember the name of the band. But I found this documentary to be unbelievably compelling um, and gut, uh, heart-wrenching at times. I, I teared up a few times at this doc. I, I was very moved by it. I think it is definitely worth your time to check out. Awesome. Well, if I ever, ever get a chance to, I will do. The Birds was the name of the band. I remember because they did Mr. Tambourine Man. Which to I be fair, Eagles are birds. I'm just saying, you know. Uh, so by proxy, by, yeah, by right, you, yeah, you were was, correct, I, I think, actually. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to throw the question to you because uh, because I, 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 I called in the show today, so I'm going to throw the question to you. Take Blinding, Blinded by the Light out now. What's the best film of August for you? Blinded by the Light out of the way. Uh, ready or not? Sweet. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, well, no. I keep forgetting Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Uh, even though I just literally talked about it. <laughs> um, I think Ready or Not is a more uh, fun, like, rewatchable Sensible film. in a way. Yeah. Where, where'd You Go, Bernadette? I, it hit me, like, I don't, I don't think I cried, but it definitely hit me emotionally uh, at what I've been, like, this month there's been some stuff going on, and it, it hit that hard and so um i think i don't know that i can i don't know that i'm going to rush to rewatch it but i think it's a really strong entry for like it's kind of a midlife crisis movie mm -hmm. and uh like and also as i mentioned with blinded by the light the idea of like art being a solution um she is a uh an architect who has stopped creating and that is driving her insane. And that, to me, is important. Like, I think if you're a creator, you must create. And that's one of the things that really spoke to me about that film. And so it, it, it's a toss-up between those two. But um, I think Ready or Not's more fun and definitely something I could sit down and watch again. I, Where'd You Go, Bernadette's a little heavy. I don't know that I can uh, jump right back into it. No, no, that's fair enough. Um, I was going to go ready or not as well. And I, ooh, actually, I was going to say, I think this is the first month, well, certainly since May, but we haven't really had a bona fide hit on our hands. But I guess 
you could call the Fast and Furious a hit. It's only a hit. Yeah, yeah. But we haven't had like a bona fide, brilliant film. I mean, last month we had a, a, some good films in July. June we had with Toy Story 4 came out in May. May was a crapshoot of a month. That was a really tough month. And obviously before that we had Avengers and Captain Marvel and all the other films we wanted to do really well. But, I mean, Blinded by the Light and Fast and Furious were good films and a very, very good film in terms of Blinded by the Light. But I'm struggling to find a film there which is, you know, really, really stand out. But Blinded by the Light has smashed to my top 20. Yeah, I would say Booksmart's like the best movie of the year, mostly. It's not my number one, though, but I do think it's like collectively one of the best. And it's funny because obviously, as you guys know, this is the transatlantic treats, the transatlantic team up. Some of my top, well, best of the year were released in 2018 in the States. But as I mentioned, 2019 Empire and Total Film use that metric. So am I. It's good enough for me. So things like Can You Ever Forgive Me is right up there for me. And Green Book, sorry to say it, guys. I really enjoyed that film. Um, and if Bill Street could talk was up there for me as well. And these films, and, and Stan and Ollie, I think, was that 2018 for you? Or was it I, very I early it 2019? I, I, I can't remember for sure. Um, I'd have to look at my letterbox to see when I watched it. I feel like I saw it before 2019, or I caught it like right after. Like It, it might have been January when I saw it. But I really did enjoy Stan and Ollie, though. No, that was incredible. I guess in that case, if we're if we're using the US and U, U, US and UK release dates like combined merged, Booksmart is my number one, you know, straight up twenty nineteen release, which is uh, so far it's not a bad film to have as number one. If you haven't nope. seen it, guys, check it out because we just mentioned comedies; it's the best comedy I, of the year. I will say, I think Fighting with My Family is still my number one though. That movie just it hit all of my buttons very very well, um, and Florence Pugh is is fighting to be my favorite actress of the year right now. Yeah. Uh, if she crushes it in um, little women in December, she might get that spot as my, the best actress of the year for me. Cause I loved her in fighting with my family, loved her in midsummer or midsummer. Midsummer. If she crushes it, come on, John, that's my fifth best favorite film of the year, but I guess third best 2019 for us guys. Florence Pugh, I mentioned, I put it in my Midsummer review, Midsummer. She is the machine, not, not Florence had a machine. She is a machine. I was um, turned on to it by Lady Macbeth a few years ago. Yep, which, which I watched this year. Sh- yeah, shocked for me at the time. It shocked me to my core to the fact that that film, which I just thought was a throwaway period piece, ended up being my second or third favourite film of the year, mostly due to Florence Pugh's like, ridiculously good uh, lead performance. And she's brilliant in everything, and I'm pretty sure that even if Little Women isn't a good film, I think she'll she'll be just brilliant in it. And again... Great English girl, so fly in the flag. Yep. But um, I, I think that's it then for this episode of yes, the bloody movie or bloody awesome movie podcast. I was <laughs> I was actually so enamoured by the fact that we'd actually almost managed to do this in under ninety minutes, which never I happens. Know, never. But we haven't. I don't think we've scrimped on quality. I think we've got our points across quite well. But agreed. Until the next minisode, which we're going to have coming out in a few weeks, we mentioned the minisodes. They're dropping kind of bi-weekly now. We're talking about the. All the trailers that have dropped since the last minisode and the latest movie news in that kind of two week period or the biggest movie news yeah, and anything at any other business as well. So anything else we want to drop in, if you haven't checked them out, do so. They're, they're shorter shows than the BAMP. Maybe not this one, though. And um, yeah, yeah, we just we just have a good time talking about it. So check them out. They're on the podcast feed. Um, so until that time, firstly, where can the world find you online, Mr. B? I am at BurkeReviews.com. 
And uh, you can find me on social media at Burke Reviews. And Mr. B is what my students call me. I had a funny feeling they would call you that. I think I've called you that before, actually. Uh, you can find me at What I Watch Tonight across the socials, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. And more importantly, you can find the bloody awesome movie podcast online as well. We have our own socials. And uh, we are on Twitter at BAMP, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. On Instagram, John? Uh, bloody awesome movie pod. He remembered. I always catch him and he never seems to remember. To be fair, so, I was um, literally, th- as, as soon as you said it, I pulled up Instagram. <laughs> I was like, yes. uh-oh. <laughs> and you can also see that I've been to the theatre today and that John's had a, had a uh, nice refreshing drink today if you go on to our story. So yep, check yep. it out. We, uh, we're on there. There's a couple of polls on the Twitter going up on the Twitter. On Twitter going, I found that Logan Lucky. A couple of polls going out on Twitter recently. So get on board that and we'll read out, we'll check out the res- results on the next Minisode, but uh, if they want to hear the Minisodes, John, where can they find them? They can find them at uh, BurkeReviews.com. Also, uh, if you search any of the uh, podcast platforms out there, we are probably there. Um, but Anchor.fm is our home. That's where we like uh, to send people because we are very happy with our service. Um, yes. They are a great podcast host, and they're not paying us to say that, but you know what? Truth is in the advertising um, we've had no issues, and uh, there's some really cool ways to interact with us at Anchor.fm, including you can leave a message. You can leave a voicemail yes. that we could even put on the podcast. So if you want to tell us your thoughts or you can yell us, tell us how bad we are for not loving scary stories or that Good Boys <laughs> is the uh, epitome of stupid, go for it. Tell us. We might put you on the episode. Yep. Yeah, yeah, check it out. So we'll put out all the links in the uh, when we drop the show. And again, it's also on bookreviews.com as well. Check that out. All John's work. But until next time, sadly, from me, it's see ya. And from John, keep watching movies. Keep it bloody awesome. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 bloody.